Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Chrisman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week I bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, professors of theater education, and teaching artists that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. So grab your coffee or glass of wine, plug in your headphones, or turn up your car stereo, and relax. Thanks for joining me for these heartwarming conversations and practical advice from other theater teachers on the front lines making a difference in their students' lives each and every day. I'm very excited to welcome to the podcast for this episode, Lorena Watts. She's an elementary teacher at Kent Elementary in Carrollton, Texas. Uh, it's pre-K through five and just recently became a fine arts academy. Um, so Lorena, welcome to the sh- to podcast. I am very excited to finally get to talk with you. We've been trying to plan this for many months and it's finally worked out. So welcome to the show. Um, introduce yourself and, and just kind of share your story with us. Hi, like you said, I am Lorena Watts. I have been teaching theater now. This It's easy for me to remember because I started in the year 2000. So this is year 22 of teaching theater. Um, teaching elementary theater is kind of a, a unicorn job, at least in Texas. So when you find a spot like the one I'm in, it's actually really rewarding and lucky place. And I hope to be there for a long time, but um, I did have sort of a very windy path to get here. Um, Unlike most people, I think for me, the journey was different because I think a lot of theater teachers, they did theater first and became a teacher later. But for me, it was the opposite. As a kid, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. That was like a given from the get-go. I didn't imagine myself teaching theater until much later. In fact, when I went to college, I started out at uh, University of North Texas here in Denton. Um, We were sort of forced to declare a major right away. And I knew I wanted to teach it. I wanted to teach, but I thought at that time that I wanted to teach secondary. So they were encouraging anyone who wanted to teach secondary to major in the subject matter that you wanted to then teach. So um, needless to say, when I called home and informed my family that I had changed from a degree in education to a degree in theater, they were less than thrilled with that um, idea, (laughs) but it ended up working out really well. I got my undergrad. I I ended up transferring to another local school here, Texas Women's University in Denton. Um, It was a smaller department. And it had a really nice track for people who wanted to teach theater. They got, we got to take a really wide range of courses. So you got to dip into tech and performance and design and directing. And, and it really gave you like a well-rounded base, which I'm very grateful for. Because um, once you become a theater teacher and you're like a one-woman show in your department, it's helpful to have a wide range of knowledge in, in the whole the whole department. Um, So anyway, went to college, got my undergrad degree in theater, later went back and got a master's in teaching, um, but that was much later. So I ended up moving to the Boston area, and I, you know, had no idea how to get my foot in the door as a theater teacher. Um, I found an ad in a newspaper for a local children's theater called Kidstock, and they were hiring what they called theater educators, and... Um, 
it was a crazy gig of first, you know, themed birthday parties on the weekends and outreaching to different schools that didn't have arts programming and teaching classes at the actual theater. Um, it was a definitely a formative experience for me as an educator because it was very sink or swim at the beginning. I can remember <laughs> going to my first my first class and they were saying we were going to devise a play with these like third graders after school. Um, and they wanted it to be about Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, uh, okay, so I have to do a 10 minute play of Lord of the Rings with third graders and I'm writing it and I haven't read them all, you know, in many years. And I was just lost. <laughs> it ended up just mostly being Gollum crawling around on the stage, but, at, but having to go through that process ended up making me a really stronger teacher because you just you just had to do it there was just no option of failure these kids are waiting for you to create this show with them and um you just do it uh kidstock the the children's theater that i worked at really shaped sort of my philosophy of how i teach theater their whole um message to kids was about process not product mm -hmm. but i i don't but uh, in the same note you don't sacrifice the product when you uh, emphasize the process. So I, I really liked that they gave the kids a creative approach to creating their own characters and devising stories. And it, it was a great place to get started. Um, I was working like a million different jobs, a, a part-time gig here and a, a class here and a after-school club here. And then I decided to get certified to teach in public schools in Massachusetts. And I did. Um, I ended up actually going to a private school after that where they had no arts programming at all. And my job was just, it was referred to as creative arts. And I just taught everything. We, we did art, we did music, we did dance, we did theater. It was just, you just got in there and, and did it. Um, another sink or swim type situation. So <laughs> I finally ended up moving back to Texas later and I switched my Massachusetts certification to Texas. I had gotten my master's degree in teaching and learning at that point and it specialized in curriculum and instruction. So then there were some spots opened up in public school. I was desperate to get in. I got my first position in Texas was a split position where in the morning I taught sixth, seventh and eighth grade theater and then I would drive across the district in the afternoon and teach kindergarten first and second out of, you know, my, my classroom was the closet on the side of the stage. And it was just interesting getting started. But eventually both of those positions became full-time and I really enjoyed the energy of the elementary students and the um, ability to seamlessly connect across the curriculum. I, I was really into that. And so that's where I decided to go. Um, I built up a really huge program at that elementary school and the district was very supportive in, in putting theater across the, the across the campuses in the district. We had it, I think at 16 different elementary schools at one point, and then in all the middles feeding up to the high school. And then as the STAR test, our, our Texas standardized test became, when science became a tested subject in the elementary schools, there became a great push for um, 
having a science elective and that sort of pushed the elementary theater electives out. It, it, you know, it was a campus decision, but um, I won teacher of the year on my campus. And then in the very same year was told, and we won't be having elementary theater next year. So you're welcome to stay if you'd like to teach fourth grade math, uh, which I didn't. So uh, I went, uh, moved up to middle school at that point. And then you get into the whole world of Texas one act play, which is a big thing here. Um, it's fun. I love, I enjoy the competition aspect of it. Um, but my heart for teaching has always been in elementary. So when I noticed that a nearby district was taking regular quote unquote, uh, public schools and converting them into fine arts academies, I figured this would be my chance to get back in. So I did that, uh, four years ago and now I'm here developing this program at Kent and sort of building it from the ground up because there's not a whole lot in elementary theater to base your your program on or to model yourself after at least locally maybe you know nationwide there's more but that's kind of how i ended up where i am that's awesome i i've spoken with quite a few elementary teachers uh for this season and i, I made it a, i made a point to, to do that for this season um and I believe, if I'm not wrong, all of them have been from Texas. Um, Texas is a leader. We, yes. We've got a lot going on here. Yeah, and I, I, I spoke with a colleague about a couple weeks ago, and, and she filled me in on how how that, that has come to be and how, how Texas is, is really a leader with that and, and doing such great things. Um, I'm... I've got a lot I want to I want to go back and, and, and unpack with you, um, but okay. first I'd love to hear a little more about um, your current program. And um, I know you're you, you said you're building it from the ground up, and um, I'd, I'd love to hear kind of what that process has been like for you, especially since the bulk of that time has been during a pandemic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Basically, we were hired. We had one sort of normal year, and then it was pandemic, um, and that normal year for us was us figuring out like what our productions are going to look like what what are our, what's our class format going to look like what are auditions and ensemble groups and all of that we were still sort of cementing what that would be when the world sort of imploded so um currently we in order to okay let me back up when we started the fine arts academy we had all of this grant money and the the district was really awesome about using the teacher's input to ask what we needed in our classrooms in order to make these successful. They wanted our academy to be elevated over a typical, what you would see at a typical elementary school. So to have that feeling of, of something special. Um, so we all, all of our elementary theater classrooms were equipped with a one act play set so that we had staging to use. We had portable LED lighting systems, gigantic walls of whiteboard, all of this resources that, you know, normally were like cutting pizza boxes to make costumes and things like that. So when we had stuff it was like, whoa, what, what, we can do so many more amazing things now. So that part was really cool. So we get into our spaces, we're working with our admin and with our own fine arts team, music, dance, and art to figure out 
what does a, a full-scale elementary musical look like? What does, you know, an ensemble showcase look like? We're figuring out our performance calendars, how to showcase these students in the best way. Um, most of us see, well, I see my students once a week for 45 minutes, but that's new since the pandemic. When this all began, the another special thing about being a, at a fine arts academy was that you got to go to specials or activities twice a day so you would have you know theater in the morning and art in the afternoon or music and pe or whatever it is um and it gave us so much more time with our students mm -hmm. so backing that down to seeing them once a week for 45 minutes but still being expected to create this elevated level of performance was a big challenge for us we, we would love to have them more and more and more. I think that's another struggle it, uh, for theater teachers in general is the idea that when you're in theater, you are not learning, um, rather than the idea that we could support your literacy curriculum in so many ways or whatever, whatever your curriculum is that your curriculum needs that you're trying to meet. So that's kind of my personal mission as a theater teacher is connecting across the curriculum and, and showing how we can be such an asset, not a takeaway yeah. from that. Yeah, well, that was that was one of my questions. So how, how do you um, form those collaborations and those partnerships with the, with the teachers to, to help them understand that and not only help them understand it, but instill that sense of need and desire in the students as well? Um, sometimes it's, it, the, the main roadblock is time, finding time to meet with the teachers in enough time in advance to get something planned that is collaborative. But I have found that for me, knowing a brief framework of what each grade level is focused on in, in their big units, I mean, you're not going to connect to every single lesson, but you know, when, when, fourth grade is learning about the solar system we can we can support that we can put a reader's theater on in our classroom that's go that goes along with that so just a simple knowledge of scope and sequence very basic is really important if you want to start integrating in your classroom um, taking the initiative because classroom teachers are full their plates are full they don't especially right now have the mind space mm -hmm. to be like, yeah, let's plan this and let's plan that. So you kind of have to be the one on your campus that that starts it, that starts the conversation. And I've, I've found that the majority of classroom teachers are really willing to look at ways that we can support each other um, because it, it helps them. It takes some of the burden off and it reaches some of those students that um, aren't reached in the traditional methods. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd love to know a little bit about how, because I have a student teacher right now in an elementary um, mm -hmm. middle school placement, and it's 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 fun watching him learn how to to balance seeing every kid in the school and and yes. remembering the last time you did see them and because um, like like you he sees them once a week if if that if something else doesn't take them away from it so how how have you found it best to to keep that organization and, and to, to make sure you're connecting the dots between times you see them. 
I try very hard to make sure that my classes in a grade level are all staying at the same point in a lesson. I use a Google Slides template for my lesson plans. And, and it's more of a script for me to help me remember, okay, this class, you know, didn't get to do their second rotation in this class. I have to keep a lot of accurate notes like that in my grade book because, and yes, I do keep a binder on paper. I'm it, not it judging helps. you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just because I do find myself having those moments where you're speaking to the group and then you're like, I, did I just say this to them? And that was like, you know, two class periods ago or whatever. You, we always joke on our team that like your lesson on a Monday is a lot rockier than it is on Thursday by the time you've done it seven times already in the week. So um, I try to keep my themes across the whole entire curriculum. Everybody's working on pantomime at the same time. Everybody's working on a reader's theater or, you know, there's exceptions to that when we when we get into performance rehearsals. But in general, keeping my units organized like that across the grade levels helps keeping accurate notes about what happened specifically in a particular class is good. And you have to have a system for your paperwork. I, I mean, everyone has different ways of organizing, but, you know, having an unfinished pile of some things from 25 classes, you've got to have a way to keep that, that going in your room. So that's like imperative for people who are do teaching the entire student population and less uh paper and pencil grading I, I mean to be perfectly honest we don't enter assignment grades at all i would be doing nothing but entering grades mm -hmm. if that's what we did so i have to keep a, a track of that so i can accurately measure student progress and mastery of different concepts but I'm not, you know, going home and grading papers and entering them in on a, on a daily basis like that. So you have to let some things go, I think, is another thing. Yeah, yeah. I am constantly impressed and amazed with elementary teachers. Like, I, I truly am. I, I loved it's working. I love working with little ones. I, I, <laughs> I do. My high school was my bread and butter. But I, I the energy that it takes, the the organization the I mean because you're doing things that the high school teachers are like how in the world do you do that and you're probably some of the same things with them but like it, it's just it impresses me with everyone I talk to just how fantastic and and how um challenging um our jobs are and and just hearing the different ways people handle that is, is, is always blows my mind I mean, it, it's taken me a lot of years to develop my systems that work. So, you know, this is year 22 for me. I can remember years of just having piles of papers with paper clips and post-it notes and, you know, just ah, yeah. everywhere. But as you go through it, you realize, okay, this makes my life easier. And, the you know, always for me, the best thing is seeing how other teachers do it. Yeah. And that is something that elementary theater teachers need. We need to have the chance to go into each other's rooms and see what we do. Um, in our district, they did, they created four of these elementary fine arts academies. So there's only four people, including myself, who do the job that we do. And luckily our district is great about during professional development, letting us get together and just jam and just share. And that has been the most 
rewarding and valuable time spent in professional development. Just knowing simply like, how did you organize your auditions and how did you uh, structure your rehearsal across five you know, classes who are all doing the musical and, and all of those little details that make your life run smoothly. It really helps us to see, just to see other ways of doing it. Cause you, you get stuck sometimes. You do it a certain way and you just continue the pattern and it's like, oh, wait a minute, I can do it so much easier if I just, you just need to see it. You just need to see it happen. Yeah. So. Well, I, I know you, you've worked with middle school, you've worked with elementary, you've done the, the, the children's theater work. A little, um, bit, a little bit of high school, not a lot. A little bit of high school. Yeah. What, um, I, I'd love to know what it is about elementary that, that just grabbed your heart and, and kept you there and pulled you there. Um, okay. Number one is their lack of inhibition. You're never battling that thing that you battle in middle school so much where the kids are really conscious of their bodies and there's this all this pressure from your peer groups. They, I find in my classroom that the elementary students challenge each other in the opposite way. They push each other to, they want to be the best. They want to have the most time on stage and be right in the center and you're fighting that element of it instead of the, come on, you can do it way that you can sometimes get with with middle school students that that is really inspiring when you're teaching um also their curiosity for learning is so heartwarming they want to know all the things right now and they're fascinated by what i call theater magic uh you know everything like all every aspect they're just riveted and so you've removed that obstacle of interest and, and engagement it's like intrinsic in those elementary students they're just ready they want it and even when they're not performing i find the most um i guess rewarding thing about teaching elementary is seeing them collaborate creatively seeing them figure out how to share their ideas, hear one another's ideas and compromise and figure out how to do what's best for the, the, the show or for the group's intention, whatever the task is that they're working on. Watching that in kids is, is one of my favorite things about teaching. Um, sometimes it can go awry. You know, uh, I, had a, I had a kindergarten student once we, we do a lot of um, reenacting stories, story dramatization in the kindergarten level where I act as a narrator and the kids play the roles. And sometimes we, you know, do the main roles chorally so that they can work in a group. Um, we were enacting the story of a lovely story, Charlie the Caterpillar by Dom DeLuise. This, you know, about this caterpillar trying to make friends and nobody will befriend him because he's just an ugly caterpillar. And then he becomes a beautiful butterfly and learns a gorgeous lesson. Well, I had a kid who was, he was that kid, you know, always getting sent to the office and always just, just getting in trouble and just, just a different type of learner, full of creative ideas. This kid, he was doing really well in theater and I was feeling really proud about how I had reached this kid and we were going places and I was going to change his world and all of this. And, uh, 
we did our class performance of Charlie the Caterpillar and I invited my administrators and oh, everybody was watching and it was going to be such a great show and he's playing Charlie and he's playing, sorry, he's playing the angry rabbits that are rejecting Charlie and I'm, I let them sort of improvise the dialogue because they know the storyline. So I, you know, Charlie comes up and asks to play and he says, can I play with you? And I said, oh, and then suddenly the bunny said, and he says, no, you can't play with me because you're effing ugly. And it, I mean, just full on the whole thing, <laughs> kindergarten, I froze, the audience froze. And he kind of looked out like, what? Like, what's a big deal? You know, I, I thought I was having this beautiful moment of reaching. So, you know, stuff like that happens. <laughs> but it was, it was fun. It was a legendary performance at our school. So that was our first year of being a fine arts academy. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Oh my! Um, <laughs> looking back, <Never> at, <laughs> looking back at your uh, the the time with when you worked with uh, Kidstock um, in Boston, yes. um, what were the what were your big takeaways from that collective of experiences that that you you brought into Ooh. your teaching and helped shape who you are? I would say. The process versus product idea was very different for me from when you come out, when you're coming straight out of college and it's all about putting on the show and the tech is so flawless and everything is so polished. And here we were um, encouraging kids to make their own costume based on what their character's personality was. And it would come out kind of like a hot glue mess. But that kid had so much ownership over what they created. And they were so much more invested. It was a real mind shift for me to, to think about teaching that way. Like letting that, that the kids creation of their stuff gave them ownership and, and buy-in to the production. Um, and then even though they were wearing these pizza box costumes and oversized t-shirts with things hot glued onto them, the shows became so much more alive because the kids were committed to what they were doing and understanding what they were doing. They weren't just puppeting a line that somebody taught them. They had written the line based on what they thought their character would say. And it was just a really eye-opening process for me. Um, also, Kidstock was a, a kind of a magical place. It was just where kids could come and just do theater. And there just wasn't, that just wasn't happening back then, it, back then, you know, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was kind of a new concept, all of these classes that students could go to after school. I mean, now it's kind of a thing everywhere. Kids are scheduled to the nines, right. but this was sort of an experimental time for that. So being on board as they figured it out was really neat. And um, they would work with educators and directors who were really skilled in their field and could guide the kids towards creating something that worked. You know, our musical directors would work on the kids in these sessions of creating um, lyrics for songs and working and finding melodies and just that connection of them creating 
it just informed the performance so much. And it was a really welcoming atmosphere. It was a really great place as a teacher where you could just try it. And if it was a bomb, it was a bomb. And if it was a success, it was like, great, let's do it again. It, it was a really safe place to experiment. So I think that was a good way to get started. We did a lot of um, traveling shows too. So thinking um, abstractly about how to make your set pieces um, travelable and uh, I'm trying to think of a good word, universal so that they could adapt into many different environments or whatever. All of those things just really got me, got my creative juices flowing. And then I was able to really just try out whatever I wanted to try out. So it was, it was a good way to start. That's great. That's great. And this was probably the what late nineties, 2000 ish. Early 2000s. Yeah. 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 Um, Cause th then you were doing devised, work before it was even a yeah a big we thing didn't call it that. we didn't even I, I when i heard that term i was like what's that we've I'm been like, doing oh, that yeah. for years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really i hadn't heard that you know that was past whenever i was in school so yeah we were devising i i had no idea um it was actually they did a really cool concept at kids stock that was so fun they would choose two themes that were unrelated and then do a parody of a title based on those two themes. So like, oh, let me think. We would do like dogs in Spain and it would be like Mutt of La Mancha. And then that would be like your your basis of what you were gonna, so you would loosely base it on the plot of Man of La Mancha, but bring in all this fun dog parody and puns, puns galore, so many puns, but it, it was fun. That's fun, that's fun. Um, so what, what was the, you shared that, that you had always wanted to be a teacher. Um, yeah. what, what was it that, that sparked that and made, made you want to do that? Um, I'm a child of a teacher. My mom was a teacher. I was, you know, that kid that I'm an only child. So I was, you know, going with her up to her classroom and watching her put gold stars on papers and writing on chalkboards and, I started, you know, doing that in play and it, it just felt like what I was good at. And I don't know. I just, I just always loved it. I would line up my stuffed animals and make worksheets for them and all kinds of, you know, dramatic play. And then when I, I, I theater was sort of secondary. I enjoyed it personally as a performer. And then when I thought, oh, I could teach theater. It was like, whoa, whoa, okay. And like I said, I informed my family after declaring my major of theater that they they were not thinking that was my best life choice. But it, it's actually been a great path. So, I, th I I see a lot of parallels with with your your story and mine. My I um I I, I started teaching in two thousand as well. That was my first okay. year of teaching, and um, before that, I I went to uh, UNC Charlotte uh, on a teaching scholarship um, but I like you I English was what I was going to teach and then uh -huh. um, I thought it was gonna be music before that but that didn't work out in English and then I was like mm, that's not really what I want to do elementary ed that's not what I want to do then I ended up in theater and when I shared that with my family they were like really I'm like you supported music when I said I was gonna do that but I can't do theater what, what's happening <laughs> 
My parents would like slip little newspaper articles that they clipped that was like, recent graduates with MBA start out at 75 <laughs> per year. And I'm like, yes, I know, mom, I will be poor for a long time, but I'll be okay. <laughs> Uh, well, you have shared one of the funnest stories I've heard in a very long time. Do you have any other stories from your career that like were touching oh, moments really? for you or other fun, oh my gosh, moments? <laughs> well, on the other end of thing, I, I was thinking about this ahead of time and there was a really beautiful moment. I, I had, this was when I was teaching middle school. I had a class, it was an ALS class, which is like a, a um, students with ID or any type of profound disability. So I had 12 students from that class and 22 random middle schoolers that were shoved in there because they didn't sign up for any other elective. And it's like, great, go to theater. So I had this huge group. They were just all over the place. And I was just struggling to find lessons that would reach everybody. And we get to puppetry and I have a profoundly autistic student who hated my class. He, he just every day, and he would tell me, he would come in and be like, I hate theater. And I'm like, I know, I know we're going to try to have a good day. I hate this. And anytime, you know, he actually, um, he actually did like one of the smartest roasts I've ever gotten by a student. I had them designing a little, piece of scenery and and he handed me his and he was like I'm done you know he had gone and done his work very robotically and I handed it back and I said it looks great you just need to color it and then you'll be finished you can pick any color you want and I handed it back to him and he handed it right back to me and said I colored it white there I'm done (laughs) man no so he was always trying to find a workaround but we got into puppetry and he just connected it was just the only time i ever saw him express emotion that was that was other than disdain for everything that was going on um he he was able to manipulate the puppet in these ways that the whole class just was riveted by his puppet performance and it was lip sync along to music that was what the the puppet activity was and he just did this beautiful piece and from then on he wanted to communicate via puppet. That was great. And we found this this way of being. And it was just a really kind of a beautiful moment. That is Not beautiful. as hilarious as kids swearing on stage in kindergarten, but a, a really like that moment where you're like, man, theater just works for everybody. It's just, it's just great. It's just beautiful. the ultimate connector. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Well, with, uh, I think I would imagine... Um, as with high school and middle school, um, it's very easy to let your work consume you. Um, uh, how do you maintain that balance and what do you do to take care of yourself? Well, also when you're a parent, sometimes you have to really be careful to not use up all your patience and niceness at school so that when you get home, your kids like make one little sound and you're like, be quiet, I've been listening to noise all day. Um, so sometimes part of that comes to me in lesson planning, as we know, as teachers, certain lessons are just easier. They require less direct instruct from you, or, you know, they create less 
noise or their more independent work or whatever it is, I try to structure my lessons in a staggered way so that you're not doing all the hard ones at once and you're not, you know, having like, oh my gosh, when I teach sound effects, it's like, oh, I can't <laughs> with the noises anymore. Um, so, you know, you have to space that out and really carefully plan. Um, I find that going to theater fills my bucket, going and seeing performances, big shows, small shows, who knows, but keeping that part for me is really inspiring. Meeting with other, those four elementary teachers in my district, we get together on the regular for a little dinner or a little happy hour and just a share of, you know, I, I had 14 kids not say their line into the microphone, don't worry, you know, whatever it is. It, it, it helps to vent. It helps to have someone who has a similar experience and just stepping away. Like sometimes, you know, the show will go on if everybody doesn't have perfectly glittered props, it will be okay. Just letting go sometimes I think is the best thing you can do. Yeah. It's hard to try um, for teachers who want to be perfect at everything. It's, and sometimes I'm, I fight that battle as well. Yeah. But I think that's a common thing among us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to put my two cents in about, this recovery from the strange time that we're in and how theater can really be a way back. Mm. Um, like I said, it's, you have to fight that battle of getting pulled out of regular classes to be in these experiences, but I'm seeing so much social emotional growth from my students in my classroom. I am also seeing, um, a re a need to reteach those basic, skills that I try to build from kindergarten up in terms of compromising with the group, listening to each other's ideas, respecting people's creative opinions, but still asserting your own ideas. We're, I'm having to really, um, uh, what's the word? Outright teach, uh, emphasize that in my teaching. So structure it. You have, you have to structure it for the little ones. So you know, I just hope all the theater teachers hang on because I think what we're doing right now is really important. Not in terms of what great musical we're showing or what play is going on, but that type of learning that happens in a theater classroom, that collaboration that you really don't get in a lot of other environments. Just it's natural to theater. So I hope we just keep on fighting the fight. I think that's great advice for all all levels i mean all the way up to what i'm doing at the university i mean that that's important for all of us and i think all of our students are are needing a bit of that uh, reteaching for lack of a better word of and and refocused and and shift um in the way we as the teachers look at what we're doing and our work with our students it's not like you said it's not all about the perfect production it's it's... yeah i mean it's great when you have a great show but like those moments of aha that happen from the collaborative aspect of theater are why i like teaching theater yeah i love a great show don't get me wrong but you know that's the the part that lights me up yeah well lorena i would love to know um a must-have resource for for theater teachers that you have used or have used in the you are using or have used in the past Okay, uh, there's a lot, but um, the one that I love currently 
our, our district uses a curriculum called Drama Works. It, I say curriculum loosely. It's really like a big uh, system of different theater games that relate to different topics, and you can kind of use them your own way. That part is great. I love it. But the best part of that whole toolkit is they. It, there's a side piece you can buy called um, the Creativity Cards. And all they are are just categories with ideas. So like there's animals and I mean, you name an animal, it's in that box. There's objectives, there's emotions, there's mannerisms and there's everything, creatures, people, occupations. And it's like when you're doing elementary, you have to have that list in your head. And this sort of keeps that list for you. And with my students, we, we call it, they call it the cards of doom because I use them for every time we need like a scenario of some sort and you know we'd make a big show of drawing from the cards of doom and what are they going to tell us but it, it actually helps when they're making creative choices to narrow it down for them and to you know it, it avoids the whole thing of well can I get a different one or can I do this it's like no the cards of doom have spoken this <laughs> is this is your animal so I really like I've really used them every day so I love them. That's great. That is great. I'm, I'm not familiar with those. I'm going to have to check those out. <laughs> <laughs> the Cards of They're Doom. They're not called the Cards of Doom. They're called the Creativity Cards set. <laughs> I think henceforth they shall be known as Cards of Doom. Yes, yes. <laughs> and my final question is, what are your parting words of wisdom for new teachers entering the field or that veteran needing an encouraging word right now? Ooh, ooh new teachers. God love you. I'm so glad that they are making the choice. And um, I think the most important thing to start with is just hang in there because we're still not anywhere close to normal. Right. And I'm not sure we will ever go back to normal. I feel like we're headed towards a big shift in the way things are going to look in public schools, which is maybe a good thing. Um, remember as a new teacher, and I know this is said in professional development, but you can't really learn it until you're in the trenches, that building those relationships is the first step towards having every type of success in your classroom. If you don't know your students, if they don't trust that they can explore because they're fearful of mocking or anything, you just won't have success. You're gonna be met with resistance to performance. You're gonna be met with behavior problems and creating that climate of acceptance of everybody is, is the key factor to having a successful theater classroom, any classroom, but especially in theater where you're asking these students to get up there and be vulnerable. Well, okay, but you have to provide the space where that's an okay thing to do. And, um, Whew, I guess that's that's it. That's my that's my two cents. Yeah. Well, Lorena, thank you so much for for joining me this morning and and for sharing your stories and and all your wonderful words of wisdom throughout the whole interview. Um, but I wish you all the best with the rest of the year. And I hope thank you. you. Continue Thanks for to having have, me on. Yeah. I hope you continue having fun. And I just want to thank you for all the amazing work you're doing with your students. Awesome. Thank you. 
And that is a wrap for this episode of Fed Talks. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Tune in next week for the next one. We have so many great teachers coming up and so many that have already been with us. So if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, go on your favorite podcast provider, subscribe to us, rate us, leave us five stars, review us. More importantly, share the podcast with those theater educators in your life who you think could benefit from what we're doing here on the show. Visit our website, www.fedtalks.com for the pages for all the teachers who have been on our show. Email me at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. If you have an idea for a future guest on the show or suggestions or topics that you'd like to have on the show, email me. I love interacting with you on there and I always follow up. Follow us on all of the social media that's out there. We are out there on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks. On Facebook, we have a Fed Talks page and Instagram Fed Talks Podcast. Once again, our website is www.fedtalks.com. Thank you, teachers, for all that you do. Thank you for listening. Continue to be the lights that you are and changing all those lives. I appreciate you. Take care.